you have a copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to turn with me this morning to Ruth chapter 2 as we continue our study in the book of Ruth. On August the 18th, 1988, George H.W. Bush accepted the nomination from his party to be the president of the United States. And as he gave his acceptance speech, he shared some of his most remembered words. In that acceptance speech, he called for us as a nation to be a kinder and gentler nation. Now, regardless of what political party you may be a part of, I think you would all agree that our nation is anything but kinder and gentler today. It seems like our national leaders have a shoot first, ask questions later policy when it comes to relationships. We have this idea that if you don't belong to my party, you don't belong to my tribe, you don't hold to my beliefs, then I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't like you. I don't want you. I want to cancel you. But kindness is different than that. And kindness is one of the foundation stones for any successful relationship. And it is certainly a part of true love. Now, last week, as we began looking at the book of Ruth, we discovered that true love is a devoted love. And I believe one of the best descriptions of devoted love is found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And listen to what it says. This is Ruth speaking to Naomi. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And as we talked about this, we discovered that devoted love begins with a relationship with God. If we're going to be devoted to one another, we must first be devoted to the God of the Bible. Then we discover that devoted love is not about having our needs met, it's about meeting the needs of the one we love. And we discovered that devoted love is able to stand the test of whatever circumstances we may face. It's not just there when we are experiencing the good times, but when we're experiencing the bad times. It's not just there when we're healthy. It's there when we are sick. It's not just there when we're wealthy and our financial needs are being met. It's there when we're poor and we're in financial bondage. True love, devoted love, is there regardless of our circumstances. And we discovered that true love will last until the bitter end, till death do us part. But today I want us to see that true love is kind love. And so if your Bibles are open, I want you to follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry, the words will be on the screen. In verse 1 it says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. And so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. 
While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. He said, the Lord bless you. The harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I've warned the young man not to treat you roughly and and when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and Thank him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. A mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and, and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. And pull out some heads of the barley from the bundles. Drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town, showed it to her mother-in-law, Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I work with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi explained. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the woman in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working them through the wheat harvest in the early summer. And and all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. Four times. Four times in this chapter, the word kind, kindly, or kindness is used. In in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, we read, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, He begins to produce fruit in your life. And and one of the fruits that he produces is kindness. 
When the Apostle Paul was describing what true love looked like in, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said this, love is patient and love is kind. True love is always kind. But the question that we need to, to ask is what is kindness? What does that mean? How is kindness revealed in our life? How is it revealed in our relationships? Mark Twain said this. He said, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. The Tyndall Bible Dictionary summarizes kindness this way. It says it is a state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. It goes on to say that kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and the way a person acts. Kindness is more volitional, an act of the will, than it is emotional. Barclay says that kindness is a goodness that is so deep that it always gives whatever is necessary to meet the needs of another person. Bartlett says it is a spontaneous overflow of love in the heart. It is the spirit that would rather be hurt by someone than to hurt someone. Kindness is practical. Kindness is not just some gentle disposition or a tender heart. Kindness is the desire to help others. You see, kindness is, is love in action. Kindness is is love on display. And when we read chapter 2, it begins with Ruth displaying her kind love to Naomi. She goes out into a field and does hard manual labor so that Naomi would have something to eat. But it very soon turns into Boaz's kind love toward Ruth. Now, I want you to notice how the story begins. Ruth and Naomi have moved from Moab. They are widows. They don't have anything. You need to remember that in those days, a woman without a man had nothing. And so probably by this time, they were out of food. They were hungry. And Ruth knew, if I don't go out and find some way to get some food, we're going to die. And so she looks at Naomi and says, I'm going to go out into the fields and hopefully someone will show kindness to me and let me get some of the leftovers, the gleanings that are left in the field. And so Naomi says, you go ahead and take care. And the Bible says, as it happened, she found herself in the field of Boaz. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Nothing ever just happens. Nothing does. God is always working behind the scenes, orchestrating the events of our life to accomplish his purposes in our life. You need to understand that. You need to understand whatever you're going through today, that God is working. You may not see him working. You may not feel him working. But trust me, God is working. Now, does that mean that we sit back and we do nothing? No, that's not what it means. Ruth didn't sit back at home and say, God is working. God's going to provide. No, she went out into the field and God in his sovereignty and in his providence 
placed her in a field where he could work in a unique way. And so as we look through this chapter, we see this love story developing between Ruth and Boaz that literally helped to bring the Savior to the world. Now, as we look through this chapter, we see five attributes of kind love. And you need to understand that if you're in a relationship, then these are the aspects, the attributes that you need to display if you want to show kind love to the person that you're in relationship with. Now, the first thing we see is that kind love sees deeply. Kind love sees deeply. What was it that, that first attracted Boaz to Ruth? Was it her physical beauty? I, I mean, I've got to be honest with you. Tradition tells us that Ruth was a very beautiful lady. And ladies, you need to understand that men are visual beings. We are. God created us that way. We're visual beings. Willard Harley, who is a Christian counselor, psychiatrist, wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs. And as he wrote that book, he, he talked about the five basic needs of a man, the five basic needs of a woman. And one of the things that he said that a man needs, listen, is an attractive wife. Now, some of you ladies today, you're going, well, that's juvenile. That's delinquent. That's so stinking immature. Those, those men are just, they're little boys. Well, that may be true. But that's the way that God created us. He created us visual. And what you need to understand as a lady is that God created you beautiful. He created you that way. Now, we come in different shapes. We come in different sizes. We have different hair color. Uh, your, your husband may not even know what your true hair color is. I don't know. But we have different hair color. We have different eye color. We, we look different. But God has made each of us beautiful. God has made each of us attractive. And what we need to do is we need to help develop the attractiveness that God gave us. And then we need to maintain that attractiveness. Now, and it could have been Ruth's physical appearance that, that first attracted Boaz as he said, Hey, who is that lady working in the field? It could have been her hard work. Because she was working hard. The foreman said, well, that's the Moabite woman who came here with Naomi. And she's been working hard all morning. Except for a short break she took. So it could have been her hard work. But I don't think it was either of those things. You see, those two things may have initially got Boaz's attention. But what attracted Boaz was her spirit, her kindness. You see, when he heard it was Ruth, the Moabite, he went to her and he said, I've heard all about you. I've heard how you left your mother and father. I heard how you left your land. I heard how you left your people to take care of your mother-in-law. You see, you need to understand that that a physical attraction may be the first thing that draws two people together, but it will never be the thing that keeps them together. 
That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, clothe yourself with beauty that comes from within. True beauty. Attractiveness that keeps someone in a relationship is the beauty that comes from within. And that's not just something that women need to develop. It's something men need to develop. Solomon said in Proverbs 19.22, kindness makes a man attractive. Amen, men? I mean, some of us need that, don't we? I mean, not everybody is built like a Justin Britt, baptized his daughter today, all those muscles pumping out everywhere. I mean, not every one of us, you know, look like a Tom Cruise. Some of us need some other help. And the Bible says that oftentimes it's the kindness that is displayed in our life that is truly attractive to a woman. What that is telling me is whether we're a man or a woman in a relationship, we need to focus on the inside and not just the outside. But hear me, Boaz didn't stop there. You see, these things may have attracted him to Ruth, but when he heard about Ruth and he saw her, he saw her need. He knew the despair that they were experiencing. He knew what they were going through. And he looked hard enough to see that she had a need that he had the ability to provide. Understand, love sees deeply. It doesn't just look at the surface. It looks below the surface to the heart. But then it doesn't just look at the heart. It looks to see the needs of the person that is being loved. And then it seeks to meet those needs. Second thing, kind love gives extravagantly. We see this throughout this chapter. Ruth is going into the field. She's taking advantage of a law that God had given his people. Three times in the law, God had commanded his people, when you're, when you're gleaning the fields, when you're harvesting the crops, you leave some for the poor, for the foreigners, for the widows among you. Three times God's word says that. In Leviticus chapter 19 verse 9 it says, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. And evidently Boaz was a godly man. He desired to follow the word of God. And so he was putting into practice what God had told them to do. He was leaving crops so that the poor, so that the foreigner, so that the widow could be cared for, so that their needs could be provided. But Boaz went beyond this. You see, when Boaz heard about Ruth and saw her with his own eyes, he wanted to move beyond just doing what the law commanded him to do to doing what God's loving kindness compelled him to do and so he called Ruth over and he said listen you don't need to stay on the outskirts of the field I want you to go and I want you to work right behind the women in my field don't be scared because you can work there you've got my permission and when you get thirsty I want you to go to the water that they get out of the well and I want you to drink the water that they've already gotten out and then when it was mealtime, time to take a break, 
He said, I want you to come and I want you to eat at my table. And he gave her food until she was satisfied. So much so that she had leftovers to take to her mother-in-law. And then after mealtime, when they went back into the harvest to work again, he told his workers, I want her to work right along with the harvesters. And not only that, while you're harvesting, I want you to take some of the heads of the barley off, and I want you to drop it on the ground for her so that she can have it. When it was all over, she had a basket full. Now, the Hebrew word that's used there literally describes an amount that is close to 50 pounds of barley, 50 pounds. I mean, Ruth wasn't only beautiful, she was jacked. I mean, carrying that 50-pound thing of grain home, I mean, she was some kind of woman, 50 pounds. Now, in that day, if you'd have got enough food to fix that night so that you'd have a meal, you'd be happy. But this wasn't enough to fix for one night. This wasn't enough for a week. This was enough food for months. And then Boaz said, I want you to come back and I want you to work in my field until the harvest is over. And when the barley harvest is over, I want you to work until the grain harvest is over. In other words, I want you to stay with me and I'll make sure that your needs are abundantly met. Listen, I want you to know, kind love doesn't ever just do the minimum. Kind love always goes beyond what Boaz did is he dipped into his profits to make sure that Ruth and Naomi were cared for. That's what kind love does. Kind love always goes beyond and gives extravagantly. Third thing, kind love protects passionately. Twice, Boaz warned his workers not to bother Ruth, to watch over her, to treat her kindly. Kind love not only sees deeply, it not only gives extravagantly, kind love protects passionately. Now, and understand, kind love not only protects physically. You know, all of us men, we kind of take pride in our ability to do that. Man, nobody better mess with my wife. I got all kinds of guns. And I got this ammunition right here. I mean, you better not mess with her. And so we have this desire to protect our wives, to protect our family physically. And, and all guys do that. I think it's just part of our, our, our male machismo or whatever. But you need to understand that, that protection not only involves physical protection. It involves emotional protection. It involves spiritual protection. You see, when you protect someone you love, it means that you're going to treat them as the priceless possession they are. You're going to protect their honor. You're going to protect their dignity. You're going to protect their reputation. You're going to protect their spiritual well-being. As men, that means not only are you going to let your wife and kids come to church, you're going to be there with them leading the way. And it means that you're going to learn how to be the spiritual leader in your home. Why? Because you know that you are in an eternal battle for the souls of your wife and your kids. And you're going to fight that battle as hard as you can. You see, kind love protects passionately. Fourth, kind love builds up verbally. Boaz not only showed kindness He spoke kindness. 
Ruth says in verse 13, you have comforted me by speaking kindly to me. I think we all know, don't we, that our, our words can build up or tear down, right? Our words can speak life or our words can speak death. And that's why it's so important for men and women to use kind words. By the way, ladies, this may come as a shock to you, but did you know one of the five greatest needs of your husband, one of the other five greatest needs, is affirmation? Your husband needs a cheerleader. Not with pom-poms and whatever, but he needs somebody that's going to cheer him on and say, boy, you're the best in the world. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You say, All right, my husband doesn't need that. He, he doesn't need to be built up. He's not insecure. Yes, he is. He is. He's a little boy at heart that needs a wife that says you're the best in the world. No one is like you. And men, your wife needs to be told that she is beautiful and she is wonderful and she is amazing. But understand, kind words are not just the literal words that come out of your mouth. Kind words are the way that you say those words. Did you know that our nonverbal communication is more important than our verbal communication? In other words, how we say what we say speaks more loudly than what we say. Did you know that? I learned that years ago. My wife were, I were in a rough patch in our marriage. Not a divorce rough patch, but I don't like you rough patch. You know, I mean, you can be in those patches, can't you? I mean, let's be honest, let's be real. I mean, you can love somebody and be devoted to somebody, but not like them. And I mean, you know, it's just a tough time in our relationship. And, and we realized that we needed counseling. And I mean, that was tough for me because I'm a pastor. I give counsel. I don't take counsel. But we ended up going to a counselor. And, and as we did, I mean, one of the things that came out is, and I communicated intense. I mean, I was on edge. I didn't mean to be. Didn't know I was, but I mean, I was just always intense. And so when my wife and I would be having a discussion, I was intense. And I didn't realize that the intensity of my tone and the way that I was conveying myself was crushing her spirit. But it was. I mean, as we would talk and disagree and we would have these arguments that you have, I mean, I'd get loud because I'm intense. I was crushing her. Man, when that reality hit me, it crushed me. Broke me. Because even when I didn't like her, I loved her. <laughs> I loved her with all my heart. And, I, and I, I never wanted to hurt her. And so I told her, I said, babe, whenever I start coming across that way, I mean, immediately, immediately lift your hand and say, hey, you sound like you're mad. Let me know. And there will be times where I'll say I am. <laughs> I mean, we all get mad at times, Right? I said, but there are other big times, most of the time, where I'll say, I'm sorry. Tone it down. 
Because the way we communicate is just as vital as what we say. Kind love verbally builds up. And fifth, kind love invites to draw close personally. At mealtime, Ruth was invited by Boaz to come to his table, to sit at his table and eat with him. But what you need to understand is, is mealtime for a Jew was much more than just eating food. It, it was a time where you got to know people, where you talked, where you, you entered into personal relationships. And for Boaz to invite Ruth to his table meant, I want to get to know you better. I want us to talk. Now, Ruth probably didn't think that. I mean, she was from a pagan background. She was from a Moabite background. And she probably figured, he's telling me to come to the table. He's been good to me. Now he wants me to serve him and the other people. And so she went there, I think, probably thinking that, okay, now it's my time to serve him because he's been good to me. And Boaz says, no, 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 no. I'm going to serve you. That's what he did. She sat down. He passed his food, his grain, his sour wine, all of that, and, and shared it with her. It wasn't about getting his needs met. It was about serving her because he wanted to get to know her. He wanted to build a relationship with her. And that's what kind love is. You see, we can say we love but if our love isn't displayed in kindness, it's not biblical love. It may be infatuation like the world talks about. It may be lust. It may be a Hollywood kind of love, but it's not biblical, God-given love. Love, true love, it's always kind. But the thing is, our kindness and our ability to show kind love flows out of experiencing God's kindness. In other words, you and I are never going to be able to love this way until we experience God's kindness in our life. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Now, in all praise to God for his wonderful kindness to us and his favor that he has poured out upon us because we belong to his dearly loved son. So overflowing is his kindness toward us that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son by whom we are saved. And he has showered down upon us the richness of his grace for how well he understands us and knows what is best for us at all times. God displayed his kindness for us. How? By sending his son to shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. And when we truly experience the kindness and the mercy of God in our life, His Spirit comes to live in us. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness that flows out to other people. And so have you experienced the kindness of God? I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't truly understood what it is to be forgiven then I'm here to tell you that nothing else is really important. We're here and God's Spirit is revealing to you right now, I need to experience God's kindness. I need to my sin. I need to confess it to Him. 
I need to place my faith, my trust in what Jesus did on the cross. And I need to surrender my life to him. If that's where you're at today, then I want to encourage you. Just pray this prayer with all your heart to him. Dear God, I humbly come to you today acknowledging I'm a sinner, a rebel. I've lived life my way. Please forgive me. Jesus, I know you came to this earth. I know you lived a perfect life. I know you died on a cross and rose from the grave so I could be forgiven. Today, I'm placing my trust in you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Take control. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.